Hi, and welcome to Soul Powerful Parables, stories of rhyme, reason, and God's truth. I'm your host, Dana Buck. Thanks for listening. And if you like the story, please consider subscribing and give us a five-star rating where you enjoy your podcasts. It really helps us. We'd also love to hear from you, so contact us on Facebook at Soul Powerful Parables. Now, settle in, and let's have a story. Zacchaeus, a so powerful parable by Dana Buck. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Luke 19, verse 1 through 4. What circumstances would drive someone to become the most despised man in town? And what could possibly save him? Zacchaeus, my good friend, what are you doing in that tree? Come down and let's have supper at your house, just you and me. These words, uttered so long ago, a life-consuming span, still echo when remembered by a bent and graying man. There's no one left alive who may have heard this call projected, except this man, Zacchaeus, to whom it was directed. So many years have passed, so many burning suns have set, Uncounted streams of water have flowed neath this bridge, and yet the words remain a touchstone, sacred talisman, token, as precious as they were upon the day that they were spoken. The bench on which he sits, aligned as true as it can be, provides the only view he covets, just that simple tree. The place of restoration, where his old foundation shook, when all he really wanted was to have a better look. His unencumbered reverie is briefly set aside by the questions of a granddaughter appearing at his side. Is he warm enough? Does he desire something to eat? Can she fix his favorite beverage or fetch slippers for his feet? He smiles, then shakes his head, and lets affection flow unfurled for this child who walks the space between a woman and a girl. She hugs his narrow shoulders, laughing gaily as she speaks, then kisses and complains about the stubble on his cheek. And as she moves to leave him here in his accustomed place, thoughts of youth and growing up bring furrows to his face. His boyhood, cruel and dark, he was the tease and torment catcher, the target for the bullies, for he lacked both size and stature. Chased by packs of other boys, pursued became his lot, because, may God afflict them, he was small and they were not. Simply walking somewhere could become a desperate hunt, 
when punctured by the frightening cry, Come on, let's get the runt. At night in bed he smoldered, dreamt of things he would avenge. Someday they'd not be laughing, and he'd have his just revenge. That boy, as he grew older, and with single-minded drive, found a way to bring his dreams of sweet revenge alive. Zacchaeus, the harassed, who had his innocence purloined, would square with his tormentors by acquiring their coin. Ruled by the Romans, all Judea felt their fist, and taxes were the thing that no civilian could resist. And those who would collect the tax took more than just a job. They were hated by the citizens, detested by the mob. Ignoring this reality, Zacchaeus mocked that shame, for to be a tax collector was his one and only aim. He flattered and he fawned, kissed Roman boots and slapped their backs, endeared himself to Rome so he, the runt, would bag their tax. And once he got the job, Zacchaeus' plan became full-blown, for cheating was the way you built a fortune of your own. So he levied every duty, he commissioned every sale, and all the time transacting with his thumb upon the scale. Soon Zacchaeus, he was wealthy, didn't matter how Rome used him. His fortune grew from swindling those who'd previously abused him. Payback was prodigious and revenge as sweet as honey, for although he had their hatred, well, he also had their money. For surely this, he thought, brings satisfaction without pause. But as time wore on, he realized how very wrong he was. As wealth grew and increased, it seemed his happiness eloped. Vendetta, not the cure, the magic bullet that he'd hoped. The capstone, the discovery, the one that truly shocked him. His money just as passionately gathered there and mocked him. For silver is a harlot, shining gold a soiled dove when they masquerade as legacy, accomplishment, or love. Zacchaeus sat his mansion, weighed and thought about it all, and realized in all his life he'd never felt so small. The marble bench grows cold and hard beneath his shrunken frame, cold and hard just like the heart that he'd once entertained. Zacchaeus shakes himself as he surveys the life he led. That plan meant to fulfill him had brought emptiness instead. These memories, they would crush him to the essence of his core, except for this one fact, they don't define him anymore. Sweet laughter rumbles through him. He is accusation-free as he lifts his wrinkled face to gaze in reverence at that tree. Do we ever recognize the path of glory when we take it? The metamorphic, life-shifting decision when we make it? It happened at a time when he felt at his lowest ebb, 
mired like a captured insect in a spider's web, hated by his countrymen, unvalued by the Roman, despised by tradesman, farmer, merchant, artisan, and yeoman. Contentedness through wealth he now confirmed was rank illusion, and he steeled himself to see life to its purposeless conclusion. Then one day he heard his servants speaking in the hall. He had to keep his distance so he couldn't catch it all. But suddenly he quickened and his interest became keen when one of them brought up that enigmatic Nazarene. He'd heard the many stories, tales of miracles with food, healings and delivery from demons had been viewed. The list of who he'd helped or healed seemed always to be peppered with the poor, the blind, the crippled, cursed Samaritans and lepers. Zacchaeus started thinking, if there's hope for the unclean, perhaps, he dared to think, perhaps there's even hope for me. He'll travel right through Jericho, the servant mentioned then. They say he's on his way to visit in Jerusalem. Zacchaeus closed his eyes and struck his fist into his palm. Hope was fairly bursting as he struggled to stay calm. I've got to be out on the road, he uttered with a sigh, to try to have a conversation when he passes by. Bursting round the corner to his servant's great surprise, he gives them each a coin and says, Please be my ears, my eyes. And when you hear the Nazarene is fairly on his way, then come and let me know, no matter where I am that day. They nodded, understanding, and he turned then on his heel, while the servants bit their shekels to ensure that they were real. And so one day Zacchaeus, as he labored unabated, had a servant hurry in, red-faced and agitated. The servant took three heaving breaths to capture his composure, then related to Zacchaeus a long sought-after disclosure. The Nazarene is coming. He draws near this very minute. The crowd is growing quickly. There are hundreds teeming in it. I ran as swiftly as I could to carry you this news. You'll have to go immediately, for there's no time to lose. Throwing down his quill, Zacchaeus shut his levy book, the volume that defined him as a swindler and a crook. He pushed it off the table, let it tumble to the floor. This yoke is just too heavy, I can't wear it anymore. The servant was surprised and pleased with his completed chore, for Zacchaeus gave him seven coins, then hurried out the door. He raced along the pitted path where light and shadows meet, careening round a sagging fence to reach the promised street. But his great anticipation took a badly timed delay when he found himself behind a crowd that fully blocked the way. For they had recognized the man who seized their hated tax, and so they closed their ranks and formed a wall of scornful backs. No matter how he tried to slip around, under, between, someone always screened him from the passing Nazarene. Zacchaeus sprinted up the road, perspiring and lathered, until he reached an open lot where no one yet had gathered. 
Even if I tarry here, the crowd will soon arrive. They'll push me to the back, no matter how I squirm or dive. I'm such a meager man. I'll never keep my place in front. To them, I'm just Zacchaeus, just the loathsome little runt. And as these thoughts assailed him, sought to overwhelm him fully, he suddenly remembered how he used to beat the bullies. He ended many episodes that he was forced to flee by climbing to the very upper branches of a tree. His adversary's shouted threats would echo and ring hollow for being small meant he could climb where bullies couldn't follow. Over to a sycamore, Zacchaeus quickly strode. T'was massive and one sturdy limb extended o'er the road. Did he have it in him? Would his dormant muscles flex? Surely all would laugh at him, would point, crane their necks. But nothing seemed as vital, not his pride or other sass, as it was to witness Jesus, even just to watch him pass. He heard the crowd approaching, his determination primed, and with pride and place surrendered, up that tree Zacchaeus climbed. He felt completely giddy, like a love-struck little girl as he shimmied up the tree, just like a chipmunk or a squirrel. He slid out on that limb, and here he swung his legs and sat, grinning so triumphantly, just like a Cheshire cat. But joy was surely fleeting like a frayed and tattered thread when some children saw him dangling in the branches overhead. Dogs commenced to barking as the crowd grew close at hand. Soon kids were throwing pebbles at the funny little man. Again, the people recognized this so well-known defector. It's Zacchaeus, the despised, the much-detested tax collector. Mocking laughter filled the air along with shaking fists as the mob now felt emboldened to speak up and take some risks. Angry words and insults flew so vile and reprimanding till Jesus reached that dusty corner where the crowd was standing. Everyone grew quiet. They were eager to observe the devastating tongue lashing this traitor so deserved. Zacchaeus, my good friend, what are you doing in that tree? Come down and let's have supper at your home, just you and me. You could have cut the silence with a knife. It was profound. Zacchaeus used the interlude to quickly scramble down. Shock transformed to outrage. People can't believe their ears. They mutter, filthy sinner, through clenched teeth and angry tears. But Zacchaeus, he heard nothing, not the words of rage or strife, just the calling of a savior that at once transformed his life. He couldn't keep his feet, and as he buckled to his knees, the years of selfish bitterness just vanished in the breeze. Guilt was lost and fell away, his very soul was ravished, was ever unrelenting grace so absolutely lavished. Jesus hadn't said a word beyond these very few, yet when their eyes engaged, Zacchaeus knew what he must do. The shackles that he wore must be completely cast aside, 
the resentment and revenge, the greed, licentiousness, and pride. So standing to his feet, he said, I here and now implore forgiveness from all those I have hurt, especially the poor. I hereby pledge one half my wealth to their aid and defense, and any of you I have wronged, I'll four times recompense. The crowd made a collective gasp. Their anger, they had spent it. For all knew in their heart of hearts, Zacchaeus really meant it. Jesus smiled and said, Salvation is my Father's plan. It's come to you this day, you blessed son of Abraham. Then, looking towards Jerusalem, he said, I bear the cost. The Son of Man has come to seek and save all who are lost. Well, from that sacred day until this moment even now, Zacchaeus has been faithful in the keeping of his vow. His charity unmatched, his generosity unrivaled, his kindness and his friendship sparked repentance and revival. Years turned into decades, yet his pledge was not neglected. Zacchaeus grew in every heart, beloved and respected. Now, seated on this bench, his much-loved legacy is ample, a community inspired and serving God by his example. He smiles the smile of age, of memories cherished and emboldened, then notices the sounds have stilled, the sun feels warm, golden. The air he breathes is sweet and fine, there's fragrance on the breeze, the ache is gone from hands and wrists, from elbows, hips, and knees. He seems to know what's coming next. All cares and burdens flee. Anticipation draws his eyes intently towards the tree. For there, calmly approaching, is the figure of a man with smiling visage, open arms, and scarred yet gentle hands. Zacchaeus, my good friend, what are you doing all alone? It's time to rest, my faithful one. I've come to take you home. Grinning like a schoolboy, as kept promises in thrall, Zacchaeus rises to his feet and answers one last call. The story of Zacchaeus found in Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, is so much more than a tale of a little man in a tree trying to see Jesus. Luke tells us that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector and a man of great wealth. In those days, tax collectors came to be wealthy by overcharging those from whom they were collecting taxes. The more corrupt the tax collector, the wealthier he would be. And because these positions were designated by the hated Romans, tax collectors were doubly despised. Imagine just how badly this man wanted to see Jesus. Climbing a tree is pretty extreme for anyone. How much more so for a wealthy man whose actions are sure to open him up to ridicule by those who already hate him? Zacchaeus was holding nothing back in his effort to get close to Jesus. Not position, not pride, not his safety. Nothing was more important than getting close to Jesus. 
this little tax collector has much to teach us about letting nothing come between ourselves and seeking our Lord. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God will be found if we seek him with all we have. For Zacchaeus, that meant climbing a tree. What does it mean for you? We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Zacchaeus was written and narrated by Dana Buck. Devotional thoughts were narrated by Kim Pratt, and this episode was produced by Beneath Blue Skies Productions. So Powerful Parables is a ministry of So Powerful, a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering women and girls and combating extreme poverty in the African country of Zambia. To find out more, visit our website at sopowerful.org. Also, check out our books, So Powerful Parables and We Are So Powerful, both available on Amazon. All proceeds from the sale of these books go to support the work of our ministry. And finally, check out our other podcast, The So Powerful Podcast, featuring interviews with those who have been touched by this special organization. Until next time, may your life always be filled with beautiful rhymes.